On this episode of the A10 Talk podcast, we get together and we talk about teams that have the best shot at finishing in the top four. We also have a little bit of an interview with St. Bonaventure contributor Jack Milko, and we get to our game picks, a fan question of the week, and round it out with a little tribute to Coach John Chaney. So sit back and enjoy the show. the mighty Atlantic 10 Conference. Flyers down one, Crutcher for the lead, he goes! 0.1 seconds left, Crutcher nails a three for the Dayton Flyers. Welcome to the A10 Talk Podcast, the home of your favorite Power 8 conference. And welcome back to the A10 Talk Podcast. I am your host, Chris, and I got two great guests with me this week. They contribute to the site, a10talk.com. You might have seen their work at some point over the past year or two years or whatever. So uh, back with us is Anthony Morelli out of St. Joe's. Anthony, how are you tonight? I'm doing great, Chris. It's just kind of becoming a little routine for me. Hopefully I don't get too comfortable coming on the show every week. Glad to be back. Glad to talk some hoops. And we're going to get outside of just St. Joe's and my forte of LaSalle as well. I've got a new team that I'm going to be defending this week. And uh, it might it might get our guest for today riled up a little bit. So I'm excited. Ooh, some foreshadowing. So stick in with us, guys. Stick in if you're listening to the pod right now. And coming on for his first time, we have St. Bonaventure contributor Jack Milko. Jack, thanks for coming on tonight. How are you feeling? So happy to be here. Uh, Bonnies are off to their best start since the 1970-71 season with the win over Mason this weekend. They're now 9-1. and one. They're on fire. Everybody here in Western New York and Bonnies all around the country are fired up. Uh, so it remains to be seen how they do, but really excited to be here and talk about the brown and white. All right, man. Glad to have you on. And we will talk about the Bonnies a little later uh, in the show uh, but we are going to open up tonight with a little bit of a roundtable open conversation. Uh, I'll give you guys your due uh, and your thoughts on this. But I want to talk about who has the best shot to finish in the top four. So to preface this question, um, we kind of have known for weeks now, like who are the t- who the top four teams in the conference are. And I think we agreed on even before the show and all the other writers on the show agree Uh, The top four are St. Louis, St. Bonaventure, VCU, and Richmond. Um, Whether you agree with that or not, uh, that's pretty much the majority of what people in the A-10 and roundtables around the country are thinking about the A-10. So, however, why we talk about the top four is because we have a A-10 tournament where the top four teams get a double buy to Friday, and they have the best chance to get 
to the A-10 final, win it, and get an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. So, uh, however, with COVID being a big, big wrench in the churning of how the standings end up in the A-10, because most years we kind of know by the end of the year, like, oh, these teams will eventually end up top four. And they normally do, right? But this year, it seems like the scheduling and all the pauses and all sorts of crap that get in the way are going to kind of maybe upset a few teams. So I kind of wanted to look and see what you guys thought of some te- of all the teams that could kind of finish top four. Um, you know what? I'm going to start with Anthony here. Who do you got as like your main teams that could finish top four and why? Okay, so... This one's going to come as a little surprise, but I, I was looking at their schedule, the games they've won already, and the games on their outlook. I think Davidson is a lock for top four in the comp. They could sneak away with like two in the second seed. I'm looking at their schedule uh, before the show, and now I have it up in front of me. They have two hard games against VCU, which, of course, I mean, VCU's, I think they're the best team in the conference right now, but that's for an, an argument later in the show. They have one game against URI. I put that like as a medium opponent, right? You don't know that that could be a toss up for all you know. URI is a, a team that can beat almost anyone in the conference if they're having a good a good day. And then I have on the outlook, I see Duquesne, St. Joe's, George Mason, George W, uh, George Washington, and Fordham. You know, those are five easy games, which I expect Davidson to come away and win. You know, adding five to six, eleven, and if they lose the two to VCU even with four losses on the season, I think Davidson really is a lock. I mean, if you look at their schedule, it really is a, it's a cakewalks and in the games before these, the, the six and two record before this, they were pretty easy games too. I think Davidson got away with a pretty easy schedule just overall. I totally agree. I think that's a great take, Anthony. I think the Davidson Wildcats are just a pesky team. They've always shot the ball well. And I think the other thing some eight ten pundits have forgot is Kellen Grady. Uh, he's arguably one of the best guards in the conference and perhaps in the nation. And he's a senior, obviously, with that experience in uh, the rearview mirror, that'll just help the team going forward. Uh, Davids has been playing great, and they were actually supposed to host the St. Bonaventure Bonnies on this Saturday. Um, so that's another game that will hopefully be rescheduled in February or perhaps that last weekend in March. But really, the toughest game that sticks out to me for Davidson going forward is at VCU. And like you touched upon, Anthony, they really lucked out with their draw this year. Yeah, guys, I had Davidson as well. They were probably my number two team uh, to kind of be a lock. And Anthony kind of pointed it out. Uh, they they have Fordham next. Uh, their two toughest games are probably both VCU. They got them twice. Uh, they got home against Rhode Island. Uh, very winnable game. Duquesne, very winnable game. But, you know, Joe's, Mason, George Washington, like, and Fordham. These are all teams that Davidson doesn't really lose to. I mean, sure, they have a loss against Charlotte. Big deal. It was early in the year. They were everyone was kind of getting used to this COVID situation, but now they're kind of on a roll. They've lost to only Richmond and Dayton. They've already beaten Duquesne, and they actually beat Rhode Island on the road already this year. So we already know they can win those games. So um, just to point it out, though, uh, Ken Palm has Davidson finishing 12 and four in the conference, which would be the most wins. I don't think that's the, it'll be the 
top win percentage that belongs to the Bonnies. But uh, Davidson finishing 12 and four would probably put them in the top four of the conference, or just like what you said, Anthony, top, uh, top two. So that was my first, I think that was the first team I was going to actually want to talk about. So I'm glad you kind of mentioned that already. Um, my second team I had was obviously St. Bonaventure. Uh, they're seven and one. Uh, their remaining games are St. Joe's, uh, Matt UMass, George Washington, LaSalle, Dayton, and St. Louis. Um, those are all really winnable games for them. I mean, they're a really good team, even if they lose at SLU or even if they lose at home against Dayton. Uh, they still got a, four teams left that are really the bottom of the conference. Uh, so, Jack, what do you think? The Bonnies are a lock to finish top four or what? I think they have to be a lock. I mean, barring any disaster against St. Joe's or any of those teams that are kind of on the bottom half of the conference. Uh, I wrote this past week a couple of articles surrounding the Bonnies and what they face ahead. Uh, and they've got five tough games remaining. They have to play at St. Louis, which is just scheduled for next Saturday, the 6th. And arguably, that's the game of the year in the Atlantic 10 thus far. Oh, yeah. Uh, then, supposedly, and this was released a couple months ago, St. Louis has to travel to Olean and play Bonaventure at the Riley Center. That's been to be determined for months. I'm hopeful that it's going to be that last weekend uh, before the conference, the last season of regular or the last week in a regular season play, I should say. I believe the date is March 6th or 7th, somewhere in there. So hopefully the Atlantic 10 can put St. Louis at the Riley Center that weekend. Uh, and then they got to go at Davidson, like I said earlier, was supposed to be played today. And then they host Dayton on February 28th. And I think if the Bonnies can win three out of those five games, there'll be a lock for the top five. And I know this, we'll get to this later in the show, but that could really help their at-large bid if that becomes something down the road too. Anthony, what do you think? St. Bonaventure, are they top four or no? Well, I mean, is the Pope Catholic? I mean, it's pretty obvious that this <laughs> team is, go is going in the top four. I mean, St. Bonaventure, I had two teams here, which everyone, at least in my top four, which everyone listening to this podcast will probably agree, yeah, that makes sense. St. Bonaventure is one of them. I have another one. I'm not going to disclose it just yet. We're going to keep that a little under wraps until we get to the next round. But St. Bonaventure, it's a lock. St. Joe's doormat. I mean, terrible. LaSalle, yeah, they play with a little bit of a grit, but St. Bonaventure is a team that has a lot of skill. They'll, they'll roll right over them. GW, not a great team. Duquesne, they're okay. But, I mean, St. Bonaventure, even the hard games for St. Bonaventure, Dayton and, and UMass, you can consider those pretty hard games. If Saint, I mean, St. Bonaventure, if you look at the numbers, just St. Bonaventure is a better team. They have great guard play. They attack the rim really well. They might not shoot the three as great as I like teams to do so. But, you know, when you're really efficient from inside the paint, it's hard to beat that kind of play. They really have a great schedule that lines them up to finish top four, even finishing top in the conference, even. I mean, uh, plus, I mean, the team itself is really good. If they go on the road and beat St. Louis, I think they're then a lock to get an at-large. Uh, just a great season all around by St. Bonaventure. You should be pretty, uh, pretty stoked there, Jack. Yeah, I am pretty excited. And it's funny, Anthony, you brought up LaSalle. Thank goodness St. Bonaventure does not have to play at LaSalle this year. If you recall last year, LaSalle oh, yeah. upset the Bonnies on leap day. And then five years ago in 2016, when St. Bonaventure got the biggest snub of all time in the NCAA tournament history, 
They mm-hmm. lost to LaSalle on a Wednesday night in February. Marcus Posley and Jalen Adams couldn't get the job done at Tom Gola Arena. So I'm pretty, pretty excited that the Bonnies get to host LaSalle because, man, they've been their kryptonite the last few years, especially when Bonaventures had a chance to go to the dance. Yeah, I, I remember that last year. It was such a weird, weird win for LaSalle. Um, and, you know, it kind of it was kind of the reason St. Bonaventure didn't make top four, because, I mean, they they ended the season at St. Louis. Uh, they lost that game. But if they would have just beat LaSalle at Tom Gola, that would have not been an issue. It probably wouldn't have mattered as much, but I digress. So um, we're going to move on from St. Bonaventure. We're going to talk more about them later. Uh, but I want to move on to talk about VCU. Now, I have VCU as kind of a team that's going to be a lock to finish top four. And the reason I have this is their schedule is pretty lined up to uh, get a, it's kind of easy. It's not as, it's not that difficult. It's got some tough games. Like they do have to play Davidson twice, which I think that just, that's a really good matchup for them, I think. Um, they do have to play Richmond twice. I also think that's a great matchup for them. They just trounced Dayton. Um, they have to play St. Louis. That's probably their toughest game along with R- Rhode Island because Rhode Island beat them pretty handily at the Seagull Center. So I could, I could see them finishing top four. I don't think they're going to be the top team in the league. Watch, they're probably going to do it now. But I think being at five and two in the conference, uh, their schedule kind of lines up to uh, beat some of the teams that are surrounding them, but also get some uh, decent wins against maybe Duquesne or Mason. So uh, I don't know if you guys agree, but Anthony, do you think VCU is going to finish top four? So I wrote today, on a10talk.com. Great website. Everyone should go check it out. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> VCU, I mean, I'm all on. Pull the wagon around. I'm jumping on. I mean, VCU, I think they're going to win the conference. I think that they're the team to go. I'm going to go further than just locking them in as a top four in the, and I'm Chris, I know you're a Dayton fan. It's going to kill you, but get it's ready. Right. Hold on. VCU, when it comes to them making the NCAA tournament, they are going to be the most dangerous team in the Atlantic 10 facing non-conference opponents in the Atlantic in the NCAA tournament. This team, the defense is just unbelievable. Watching the LaSalle game, you can go, oh, they, they let LaSalle score 62 points. The steals, the forcing of turnovers, the swarming of the ball. I mean, LaSalle is a team without a leader, and they really showed. I mean, VCU really exposed LaSalle today. I love this team. Book it. They're going to win the conference. They're going to upset St. Bonaventure. They're going to upset St. Louis. Put them in the top four as well. I'm, I'm saying it. I personally disagree. Um, not, not that VC is not a good team. They're a good team. I just, I think St. Bonaventure's schedule lines them up so much better to win the conference. Um, plus they got the win over VCU. I mean, when we get to eight ten tournament time, that's a whole nother story. Uh, I got to see the rest of the season kind of, and see where these teams end up before I hang my hat on VCU to win that. Um, but interesting take. I like it. Jack, what do you think about VCU? Can they finish top four or no? I think they can. And I'm sure Crosstown Richmond or Crosstown rival Richmond uh, really wouldn't appreciate us saying this about VCU, but Bones Highland, he is something else. And he can really carry this team far. And as Anthony just alluded to, the havoc is still there and it has been there for a while and it's not going anywhere. Uh, In that first half against St. Bonaventure uh, last week, 
right? When VCU led at halftime 40 to 25, their defense was superb. All 94 feet of the floor. It was amazing. And of course they collapsed in the second half, but that's likely not to happen again. Uh, I really like VCU going forward. This upcoming game against Rhode Island is going to be very interesting. Like we've talked about their schedule easier than other teams in the conference. So yeah, the path is there to finish in the top four. And I think Mike Rhodes, Bones Highland, uh, Vince Williams and Levi Stocker do get it done. The fourth team I want to talk about is St. Louis. So St. Louis is obviously like along with St. Bonaventure, the cream of the crop of the conference. Yes. They dropped it. Uh, a game to Dayton the other night, which I was happy about, but at the same time, not really because I don't know, it, it's a whole nother story with the bids and lost Fordham and all that stuff. So I'm not even going to get into that right now. What I'm going to get into is uh, St. Louis and their schedule. So right now they have, they scheduled LaSalle. They have that one back on the schedule. They have St. Bonaventure, Rhode Island, Dayton, VCU, Fordham, Richmond, and Mason. I don't think the other Richmond game that just got postponed this past Friday is going to be played again, or at least there's no indication that it's going to happen again. So they're just going to have that one game against Richmond in St. Louis. If St. Louis is as advertised as they were in the non-conference, I really think that they have a great, I mean, they obviously have a great shot to finish top four, but uh, I think they will end up finishing top four. Um, just this team is really good. Uh, they, they're not, they're not going to drop another game. That's like Dayton again. I really don't think that's going to happen. I don't know. What do you, what do you think about St. Louis? It's funny, Chris, because I really like Dayton and how they're playing right now. Uh, the big win against Rhode Island coming back in the second half, taking care of business this weekend. And obviously you just mentioned them beating St. Louis earlier, but St. Louis is too good of a team. I think they're going to muscle Dayton out of that last four spot and St. Louis will be in the top four. And I think St. Louis's most important player. Sure. Jordan Goodwin may get NBA scouts and could possibly find himself on a professional team here in the States this year. But I think Hassan French is the most important player for SLU. He's six, seven, He bullies guys around inside. He plays much bigger than that size indicates. And I'm obviously uh, or I'm honestly very nervous for Oshuna Shuni going against Hassan French next weekend because French just has much bigger size. He's stronger. And unfortunately for Shun, he's struggled against bigger physical competition like that. So we'll see what happens. But of course, with SLU too, they've got Yuri Collins who leads the conference right now in assists. He's got terrific vision. And like I mentioned earlier, Jordan Goodwin is just a stud and he and both Perkins are combining to average almost 35 points per game. So you really can't not like St. Louis at this point. They've been ranked in the top 25 for a reason. Uh, they're, they're a solid team and they could cause problems in the NCAA tournament too. Anthony, what do you think? Do you think SLU has a good shot to finish top four, even though they're starting off 0 and one? Yeah, so we got to put into perspective what the question is. The question is, can you finish in the top four? Because it's all based on record. So my question is, because I don't know this off the top of my head, and I'm, I don't know if any of you can confirm, but are the rankings done on percentage, like winning percentage, or is it done on true win-loss record? Because St. Louis just doesn't have the games. Like, we don't know. The game for Richmond got canceled. If, that, if it's by win totals that gets you ranked in the conference – I mean, how do you catch up to any of these other teams who have gotten a, like it's a head start? I mean, that's just the way that the system is right now. So 
I actually didn't have St. Louis in my top four because of that, because of the COVID pause, because I don't know how the rankings are going to occur. If it's based on win percentage, yeah, sure. St. Louis could finish the season and get up in the top four. But if it's based on true record, I think UMass is in a position where we're not talking about them. I was looking at their schedule, St. Joe's, Fordham, Duquesne, URI, winnable games. There's three tough ones, Dayton, St. Bonaventure's, Richmond, I think UMass can win at least one of those three t- difficult games. If you just look at win percentage, they're, prob- they're probably going to move up a lot with a win and, you know, they'll move up even more with another win. So, it, you know, if they get eight games in the conference and they go, what, like six and two, you know, they're looking at a pretty decent shot. Now, Ken Palm has them finishing six and three. Uh, they have them losing at VCU. Um, that's all I have so far. And then losing to Dayton. So I don't know where they get this six and three from, but yeah, I mean, St. Louis, they're one of the cream of the crops in the conference. And this is what we're talking about. When I preface this by saying there's going to be a wrench thrown in there besides the COVID pause, it's going to be another team that has an easier schedule that can rise up and kind of take their spot, even though St. Louis in a normal year would probably finish top four with this team. Right. And that's where Davidson comes into play. That's where uh, UMass, like you said, comes into play. I personally don't think they got a shot just because they really haven't proved to me that they're good enough to finish top four. Uh, But you know, if they figure it out and beat a lot of those teams below them, then they got a decent shot. So um, I'm going to move on. The other team I had, well, there's two more teams. Uh, Let's talk about Richmond. So Richmond has Mason. They play at Dayton, GW. They have VCU twice, LaSalle, Fordham, SLU one time. I got to change my notes. And UMass. I personally don't think they got a shot. I mean, I don't know. They, they've already lost enough games to these other teams that, I mean, sure, their record might indicate they're, they're four and two. They're projected to finish 10 and five. So, yeah, they got a shot but I actually don't think that they will finish top four. That's going to be my like one take. I just think they're going to, they're, the loss to LaSalle and losing to St. Bonaventure. I mean, I don't know that they, they just don't scream top four material right now. And they're fifth right now. So Anthony, what do you think about Richmond? Do you think they have a good shot at finishing top four? I was looking at their schedule because they were, I was teetering between you, as I said, the UMass pick, and Richmond, because they have a good amount of wins right now. And I, I figured that it was just going to be based on total wins. I didn't know at the time, as we said, we don't know how they're going to rank anything. However, the concerns you've raised about Richmond are true. It seems like this team can slip up against anyone. And we just don't, it's kind of up to chance. And if I was going to hitch my wagon on a team thinking, oh, are they going to definitely win? I'm picking Davidson over them. And that's just that just goes to show that, one, I don't have confidence in them. I mean, if I'm going to pick Davidson, a team that's clearly on paper, Richmond's a better team, but man, they've given up these games. And I don't know if I can faithfully put confidence in the fact that they would, they would end up in the top four. I just don't think it's going to happen. I'm with you, Chris. I'm with both of you as well. Uh, is it too crazy to think that Richmond peaked a little too early? Uh, perhaps they, I mean, they turned a lot of heads with that win at Kentucky, but we've seen Kentucky. They're not the Kentucky that everybody knows. Um, it's really a shame that last night's or last Friday night's game was canceled against St. Louis, because I really think that would have provided us with 
a true temperature on how Richmond is playing right now. Uh, obviously, losing to a LaSalle at home last week was an absolute killer that the Spiders could not have afforded, nor the conference as a whole could have afforded. And I kind of, in my article yesterday, I wrote more about how NCAA tournament bids uh, really reflect and helped the conference as a whole instead of each individual team. But you can check that out on a10talk.com, of course. But like you guys said, I, I don't trust Richmond. I just don't trust them going forward. Their schedule isn't as favorable as others like we've talked about. Uh, so we'll see what happens. But I, I think they'll probably be the fifth or the sixth team. Yeah, that's exactly where I'm at. And it is nothing to do with like Richmond being like a bad team. Like they're a good team. I think they're top four quality. But like we said, with Davidson having a really easier uh, rest of the season schedule with St. Bonaventure already kicking off all of their wins against the bottom tier. Uh, you know, this could be a team that misses it because another team has a better schedule. So can I read their uh, schedule for you, Chris? Cause I'm looking at it right now and it's pretty tough. Yeah, it's go for it. Dayton, VCU, VCU, LaSalle again. I'm, I'm putting LaSalle on there ever since the upset and St. Louis a second time. That's, of course, one game got postponed, but VCU twice. Imagine if they postponed, they redid the SL, the St. Louis game. So that's St. Louis twice, VCU twice, and Dayton once. That's pretty tough. Yeah, it's it's a tough schedule, and they really kind of have to prove that they belong. They gotta they gotta kind of make up for that LaSalle loss and the Bonaventure loss because those are gonna be teams that, well, not necessarily the Bonaventure loss, but they gotta make up the LaSalle one and. Uh, the next team I'll talk about has already kind of made up for those losses, not in the NCAA at large discussion, but as far as moving up in the standings. And that's why I want to talk about my Dayton Flyers, gentlemen. So Flyers are frisky now. I'm, I'm putting the frisky stamp on the Flyers. They just got done today, putting kind of a, a little bit of a route on Rhode Island. It wasn't looking that way earlier, but uh, they... They ended up pulling it off. They won by 11. Uh, they went to St. Louis and won. Who cares about a COVID break? You just got to win in this league, right? And earlier this season, they, you know, they had those terrible losses, LaSalle and Fordham. And when you have those losses, they kind of add up down the stretch, right? Um, because all the other top teams will beat LaSalle and Fordham, right? So and I, Richmond is like one team example of that where they kind of have to find a makeup game and win a game they weren't supposed to win. I will tell you, Dayton was probably not supposed to beat St. Louis and they were probably not supposed to beat Davidson on the road. Ken Palm actually had that as a loss earlier in the season. So they kind of made up for it in the standings. And now that they've beaten Rhode Island, I kind of think the Flyers got a shot to finish top four. I don't know. I I mean, their schedule lines up pretty decently. Uh, the rest of their season is Duquesne, which is going to be really tough. Uh, Richmond at home, at UMass, which will be tough. Home against St. Joe's, at Rhode Island, who they beat today. Home against St. Louis, who they beat. Uh, at St. Bonaventure, where they have been very successful over the years. And then home against VCU. So, Gentlemen, you can be as mean as you want. You can be as Homer-esque as you want. I don't care. Just tell me, am I crazy? Does Dayton have a shot to make top four? I'm going to put you out of your misery. No, <laughs> they don't have a shot. Just because of the fact that we talked about, this isn't about 
could Dayton flip a switch and be a top four team in the sense of playing like a top four team? Yeah, I could see that easily. But the we're talking about the record and getting to that record spot where you can be a top four, like in the standings. I'm that schedule's tough, Chris. You just named it out for me, and I'm I'm looking at that that those last three games. I mean, if you're looking and you're hoping for a top four spot, I mean, you got to win at least one of St. Louis, St. Bonaventure, and VCU. And we all know VCU's got Dayton's number. And St. Bonaventure, I don't know, they might be a little too good for Dayton to upset. So we'll see. I understand why you're excited. I'd be excited too if I was a Dayton fan and you're coming back and you want to see them be competitive. Um, and they're 10 and four. They have a right to be mentioned in this conversation. I just think that that schedule is really tough. Uh, right, right now to me, Dayton's the third best team in the conference. Uh, they won wire to wire against St. Louis last week. And then they really took care of business against Rhode Island in the second half uh, at halftime of that Rhode Island game. I was thinking, wow, uh, Jalen Crutcher, he's only got two points and Jordy Shimanga was in foul trouble. So I kind of knew that they were going to come back in the second half and win. I just had a weird feeling that they were going to do so because after all, I mean, this last year, Chris, as you know, they were a top five team in the country and they still got key pieces. Um, But to go more towards Anthony's point, their schedule is not that favorable. Uh, We talked about that three game stretch at the end of February where Dayton has to go at Rhode Island, host St. Louis, and then they have to go to the Riley center. And as a Bonaventure fan, I feel like the last time, Bonaventure beat Dayton was when Jalen Adams and the Bonnies upset Dayton at UD arena back in 2016. Mm-hmm. And it seems like it was that long. I, I, I can't remember exactly if that's a date, but I'm, I'm pretty sure, but I don't know. I, I, I think that right now to me, Dayton's the third best team behind St. Louis and St. Bonaventure, but that schedule just, it, it's not favorable for them, but they can make a lot of noise in the a 10 tournament as a five or a six seed kind of on the outside looking in, perhaps they play a team like, you know, St. Joe's or George Washington on that Thursday, get gain some momentum. And then Friday, that's where the magic happens. Perhaps Dayton knocks off the Bonnies or the Billikens. Who knows? We'll see what happens, but I would not be down and out and would not count out Anthony Grant and the Dayton Flyers. So let me just hear this correctly. You, you thought that you think Dayton is, Third best behind Bonaventure and St. Louis. Not you think they're better than VCU? I think they're better than VCU right now by a slim margin. I got VCU at four right now. Interesting, because like VCU like kicked the snot out of them. And I will go, I will say, so Dayton shot like hell in that game. Like there's no doubt about it. And I'm not gonna like take too much credit away from VCU because they definitely played better. Their defense was electric. They completely shut down Crutcher. They deserved to win that game. However, Dayton is not going to shoot 15% from three most games. Like, that's just not going to happen. And if you think that they are, then you need to watch the St. Louis game because that team shot 43% from three. And I know that's above their average, but they shoot about 37 36%. So Dayton is not going to shoot that terribly. They're, they're a live and die by the three team. I know, but you know, the next time they play the VCU, I highly doubt they're going to shoot 15% from three and shoot their miss their first 13 of them. But interesting that you think that they're better than VCU. Cause I certainly don't think that right now, but uh, earlier, I, I mean, before the VCU game, I thought, yeah, I think they're maybe playing a little better than them right now. But afterwards, I'm like, no way. 
And sometimes you have that as a team. You kind of just have a hiccup game. Uh, and they only scored 43 points at VCU, and their defense has been terrific. But I, just going forward down the stretch, those two huge wins last week for Dayton, I mean, arguably that's the best back-to-back wins anybody in the conference has had so far this year. So I, I just am going to rely on their experience. Uh, of course, VCU in their Havoc defense, incredible. Um, but who knows? We'll have, just have to see what happens. I'm, I am riding high on the Dayton Flyers for the next month. But, of course, that schedule is tough, and I, I don't think they'll be top four, but they, they'll, they'll give some team issues going forward. All right. Well, I'll hold you to that. So uh, we're going to move on. Uh, to our next segment and just talking about the Bonnies a little bit. Um, And just, we kind of missed out on them in the non-con. We've seen them now play eight games. They're seven and one. They're looking really good. Uh, So I brought on Jack here to kind of talk about, you know, uh, just like the whole spectrum of this year with the St. Bonaventure Bonnies, because now they're starting to get some media attention. They're showing up in bracketology other than just being the automatic bid team because they're first in the conference. So Jack, starting off, what were fan expectations like going into the season? So for me personally, and I think some other Bonnie's fans, uh, this was a year that top four was possible, but the NCAA tournament was not. Uh, this year, St. Bonaventure has no seniors on the team. So the, the big three of Lofton, Oshuni, and Dom Welch, and now with Jaron Holmes and uh, Jalen Attaway – really playing terrific basketball this year. That, I mean, that's a solid starting five. We all thought that 2022 was going to be the year for the Bonnies. They could possibly make a run in the dance. They could win the conference in 22. So I guess the Bonnies just arrived a year early. I think a lot of Bonaventure fans and students and alumni feel that way. It's a pretty tight-knit community, so we're kind of pleasantly surprised about how well they've been playing. But, of course, you can never count out Mark Schmidt. I mean, he is just one heck of a coach. He loves his players. All of his players play so hard for him. And right now, the sky's the limit for the Bonnies, right? As I mentioned in the opening, best start since 1971, a year after they went to the Final Four with Bob Lanier. Who knows? I mean, I, I'm i high on the Bonnies. I think Anthony is also pretty high on the Bonnies. I know he's high on VCU as well, but I think there's no mistaking that the Bonnies are having a great year so far and yeah they are a little bit surprising um I kind of thought they were having juniors on your team is not like it's not a bad thing you know you have a lot of experience uh you're number 114th in the country in experience so you're over half uh but you talked about that starting five so um it's no secret this year that that starting five is really good but the bench play um, you guys don't really have a bench, or at least it doesn't seem like it. Uh, the Bonnies are number 345th in the country in bench minutes, which is, uh, I think it's 10th from the lowest. <laughs> so uh, do you have a concern about the bench with St. Bonaventure or no? That's kind of been a hallmark of Mark Schmidt's teams in his 14-year tenure at St. Bonaventure. He'll only play seven guys, and he'll leave his starting five in for most of the game. Uh, Lofton averages 37.6 minutes a game. Uh, Welch, he averages about 31. And the reason why that figure is lower is because he's gotten himself into foul trouble in a few games. Of course, when you get into foul trouble, Schmidt will pull you. Um, 
I think there is somewhat of a little bit of concern in terms of their lack of depth, but Schmidt's going to ride that starting five into the ground. I mean, they're, they're, they're not going anywhere. And you got Jalen Shaw that sometimes comes in when Oshuni finds himself in foul trouble. He's been a nice addition for St. Bonaventure. And uh, Eddie Creel also will come off the bench. And their sixth man, A.J. Vasquez, he really can provide a quick spark when needed if Dom or Jaron or even Kyle. Uh, Kyle got himself into foul trouble against Fordham a few weeks ago. Um, so, yeah, their depth is not terrific. Their bench play is not top-notch compared to other teams in the A-10 and in the nation. But Schmidt's never played more than seven or eight guys before, and he's always relied on his starting five. So we'll see what happens. But I think Bonaventure fans and, and the brown and white faithful, they have to be thrilled to have the starting five that they have this season. Yeah, I mean – it, it's you're not wrong there like mark schmidt does not play a bench and it's really interesting that they just he just rolls with his five and that's what he's got <laughs> so you talked about how the fan base was kind of like we're a year away right going into this year so now that we're into the year and they're seven and one they're riding high first in the a10 what's the temperature of the fan base currently people are excited it's a very warm temperature. People are starting to realize that the Bonnies might produce some magic in this COVID world. Uh, and it's funny, just being in Western New York, the Buffalo Bills gave Western New Yorkers some great hope. And of course, that ended to, at the hands of the Kansas City Chiefs. And now that the Bills season ended, the Bonnies are here to keep the party going. And Bills fans and Bonnies fans mostly come hand in hand. So, Everybody's really excited about what February will bring. I know a lot of bracketologists, a lot of coaches always discuss it's not March, it's February that makes or breaks your season. And we'll just have to see what the Bonnies can do. They are really hot. Uh, they just played their best offensive game against George Mason, in my opinion. They rank in the top 60 in both offensive and defensive efficiency right now on KenPon.com. Everybody's excited. Like I said, I've actually had numerous alumni reach out to me on Twitter. Just so excited. And who knows? I, like I said earlier, the sky's the limit for this team. With that, um, they've, they've already had some great wins this year. The ones to be really excited about, like winning at home against VCU, who's had kind of the Bonnie's number the past couple of years. Uh, winning on the road at Richmond, even though Richmond's kind of taken a stumble a little bit. That's still a quad one win. They really don't have any bad losses. The only loss is at Rhode Island, not a bad loss at all. So what do you think of the Bonnie's chances of getting in at large? And just to add to that loss at Rhode Island, uh, Oshuni was in foul trouble most of the game. He only played 27 minutes. And mm -hmm. Jaron Holmes had back spasms in the first minute of the game. And he went out with 19 minutes to go in the first half and didn't return. And the Bonnie's lost to Rhode Island by six. So that's just a side note. But in terms of their at large chances, I'm not sure yet. Um, after what happened in 2016, all Bonaventure fans are very skeptical of the selection committee. Uh, not a lot of confidence, especially in 2018, too, when we all thought Bonaventure for sure, for sure would not end up in Dayton in the first four. And lo and behold, they did and defeated UCLA behind Courtney Stockard and Jalen Adams and Matt Mobley. But the lack of non-conference games and through no fault of the Bonnies, it's just, it's a matter of our world we live in today with COVID 
they only had to play Akron and Hofstra. And I wrote yesterday how Akron and Hofstra is not going to impress the committee at all. They're ranked in the mid 100s and Ken Palm and net. And that's not going to really get people excited, especially within the committee and bracketologist pundits. But they were supposed to open up the season in the Bubbleville in Connecticut. And they were really one game I was looking forward to seeing Bonaventure play was against Stephen F. Austin. And if you remember last season, the Lumberjacks won at Duke uh, and they were returning a lot of their starters and they're coming off a 27 and three season and they were going to open up against the Bonnies. And it's too bad because I think if the Bonnies won that game, then they would kind of have a non-conference piece to go along with some of the wins that they've had so far in Atlantic 10 play. Uh, to further this, as I wrote yesterday as well, they've got five big games remaining, although I think at this point, three of them are only going to happen. Uh, they're supposed to host Richmond and host St. Louis as well, but when looking at Richmond's schedule, they've got no open dates until the last weekend of the regular season, and I think Bonaventure would rather play St. Louis than Richmond if that comes to that, but uh, a win over Dayton would be big in my opinion. Obviously, next weekend against or at St. Louis, I should say, is huge. And if the Bonnies win that, I think they should get into that large bin. But this fan base, St. Bonaventure, always skeptical of the committee because of what's happened in the last five years. And of course, they'll just have to avoid the landmines that exist on the schedule, uh, whether it's LaSalle, whether it's St. Joe's on Wednesday, uh, despite Ryan Daly being sidelined. Uh, you never know when the Hawks catch fire in Hawk Hill. Uh, so we'll just have to see what happens. But I think right now it's it, it's probably 50-50 on whether the Bonnie's getting at large. And that's through no fault of their own. That's just being a, a smaller school in the Atlantic 10 when compared to other Power 5 schools that get more opportunities to get quad one wins. And at the end of the day, it's all about quad one wins and how many of those you have. Yeah, I will say – uh, just look, we talked about it last week about how the big 10, you know, just, they rack up quad one wins. The big 12s having a great year. Uh, the pac 12s having a little bit of a better year. SEC is a little bit down. So, uh, it'll be interesting come with selection Sunday. What, uh, what the Bonnie's resume looks like. Anthony, do you have any questions for our friend Jack here on the Bonnie's? No, but I just want to say this. I want to give Jack some credit. Jack's like, mentioning all these things he's writing about you're you could think what how many articles did you write yesterday jack writes a practical book every week this guy's full of knowledge check out his column that's what i gotta say about that i mean everyone's chock full of information well yeah. i appreciate that anthony thank you and it, it's funny because yesterday i i was in a room with 10 people nine of them were bonnies and of course me being a holy cross crusader and a lifelong bonnie fan rounded out the 10 and I sent them the article that I read or wrote, excuse me, and they're reading it and they're going, okay, uh, this is really long. And I said, well, guys, I really wanted to talk about the tournament finances. And then we go into the George Mason opponent. So I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> As an avid reader, I, I really do like it when people don't just give you 400 words to read. Give me some, give me a little meat, give me a little potatoes. I love it. Awesome. Yeah. Check out uh, Jack and Anthony's work on a10talk.com if you got a chance. So we are going to move on to kind of a little bit of a fan interaction. Uh, we have a fan question of the week this week, and it comes from a good Twitter friend of mine, uh, Tony DeVellin. She's from the Dayton community, 
and she asked us, uh, how can one program question another's COVID policies? Shouldn't the conference standardize this process? If there's a legitimate question, should a game be canceled, rescheduled, or forfeited? So this is a huge question, and it pertains to what happened this week with St. Louis canceling on Richmond. So pretty much what happened here for anyone who's kind of out of the loop a little bit or doesn't know why it got canceled. So SLU showed up to Richmond to play a Friday night. It's supposed to be a big game in the A-10. It was pretty much going to be the only game on at that time before Iowa and Illinois was on. That was pretty much the only two games on and ours was one. So our conference was ready to roll uh, for that night and was going to own the ESPN airwaves at around 6.30 or 7 o'clock. So what happened was it seemed like there was a Richmond had a positive case, but it was not like on the team. It was like a personnel that was like way away from like the team and the situation. Uh, SLU didn't like it. And Richmond said, no, it's fine. The A-10 kind of intervened and said, if SLU is not comfortable with playing this game, or being in this area, uh, then they should not have to play it. So SLU took their ball and went home. And it caused a huge controversy last night. Basically, to answer this question, first of all, the conference has policies on how to handle COVID. They established this before the season. Uh, Teams have to adapt it to fit their own needs. But this is how it is, X, Y, and Z, right? So basically, how can one program question their COVID policies? Well, when it's St. Louis, who just got off of a month-long pause and they don't want to have another pause for a perceivable time, because most teams get out of these COVID pauses at like two weeks, right? I mean, I don't know how long the Bonnies were out and how long UMass was out, but I think it was somewhere around two weeks, two and a half weeks, but St. Louis was out for four weeks. Like they do not want to have their at-large tournament resume, their chances of playing any more games this season jeopardized because they don't know the party or the person on the side of Richmond that has COVID or who's been interacted. So they just said no. And the A-10 sided with kind of with them. Um, And honestly, I mean, I kind of agree with it just because of what happened with St. Louis. you know, you might not like it. It might have been a bad night for the conference uh, to not get that game in, but um, they should definitely not forfeit. Let's be frank. No one should have to forfeit because they are uncomfortable with COVID. Like, it's just not, it's just not feasible. So I'm personally on the side with SLU. It sucks for Richmond because I'm sure they followed all policies and all of our Richmond guys said everyone was negative. Everything was fine, but St. Louis is obviously on the side of caution for this. I know I've said a lot already, but I want to hear what you guys have to think. Anthony, go ahead. So I just want to say this. Um, I agree. But I also want to read a piece, a part of a piece, a couple sentences from what I wrote back in November, because I give you tomorrow's news today. And I said, as more COVID-19, this was back in November, continues to break within college basketball, it would be prudent for fans to acknowledge that there's a high probability of non-conference cancellations. Expect to see a majority of schools have some form of issue with COVID. While it appears that many non-conference games are in question, there is still much to be excited about. 
conferences, conferences have the ability to control and implement procedures more effectively than the NCAA. The Atlantic 10 will have more control over venues, schedules, and safety procedures for games. Yeah, and then I go on to say the Atlantic 10, it's easier to monitor 10 teams than it is to monitor all 357 of Division One. The Atlantic 10 conference owes fans a response. Uh, they have a responsibility to fans and they owe it to fans to explain what happened. And as a conference and the leadership in the conference, how are they going to rectify it? I'm not pointing fingers. I'm not saying they did anything wrong, but I'm saying the conference has rules. Tell us why they are being enforced or if they're not being enforced, who's following them and who isn't following them. And if there is an issue, transparency is the best thing for any, in this time of people like to ponder and people like to speculate, the more transparency, the better. Put all that information out there, and then I and then to add to Chris's point, totally understand. Uh, if you're jittery about it, you have every right to you know throw caution, have caution, and say, hey, let's pause. Let's is this the right thing to do? So those are my thoughts. I completely agree with you guys. Uh, obviously, this is not something you can mess around with. I mean, look at our whole world has been turned upside down. Uh, I give St. Louis a tremendous amount of credit. And I have a tremendous amount of respect for head coach Travis Ford and the St. Louis basketball program. The Friday night, eight ten ESPN series is the highlight of the week for the conference. It's comparable to NFL Sunday night football. The Friday night, eight ten series also brings in a lot of revenue for the conference. So to have them cancel or postpone rather the game last night between Richmond and St. Louis, uh, they did the right thing. They put the money aside and they put the people first. So I give the conference a lot of credit. And yes, there was a lot of suspicion as to what really happened in Richmond about, well, who tested here and how close was he to the team and what it, it doesn't matter. It, there was a potential positive test. And as you said, Chris, four weeks, St. Louis was on pause again. They don't want to go on pause again. They know how horrible it is. Quarantining's not fun. When a team's on pause, it's the worst. Bonaventure had to start its season on December 15th instead of November 24th. And when they were on pause, they lost the ability to have non-conference games while most of the team was, or most of the country, I should say, was playing during that time. So I, I agree. I think St. Louis made the right move. And hopefully we'll get that game again in Richmond. But if not, the two teams do get to play in the Gateway City later on in the month. Yeah, exactly. And just to furthermore on this, there's, I know, I know a lot of people said, well, the A-10 really needed this game. It's, and Richmond really needed this game to get back their at-large hopes. And St. Louis really needed this game to get at-large hopes. Yeah, I understand. But you have other games. St. Louis is going to VCU. Richmond goes to St. Louis. St. Louis goes to Dayton. There's a whole bunch of games left to be played not to mention not to mention that there's a chance to reschedule like what we just saw this week and today with the league rescheduling St. Bonaventure at St. Louis we all called for it it all happened now it's not going to happen in a day I know that I make takes and I wrote about this that says you know the league needs to start acting now about doing this stuff well it's not going to just happen like out of the blue okay we got to wait for the conference to kind of get their head together, meet together and figure it out. Plus, not to mention, gentlemen, that the league, the, the schedule ends on a Wednesday. 
like the Wednesday before the, like a, like, what is it like 10 days before the A-10 tournament. So we have a whole weekend open to make up games if we need to before the A-10 tournament. So there is a chance that we can get those games rescheduled like a week before the A-10 tournament. So do not freak out yet. If, you know, if you're a Richmond fan and you're mad at St. Louis, I would be mad too. Absolutely. But just thinking about it as a neutral party and we're all neutral parties in this, you know, and one of our teams has, you know, and Jack has already had COVID pause. You don't want to risk your team having a COVID pause when you know there's been a COVID positive case in the building. That's just kind of not sitting back and thinking about it. That's just kind of my take on it. I'm with St. Louis. Uh, and I, that's kind of where I'm going to wrap up with it. Anything else from you guys? And yeah, just quickly to add to that, I think Mark Schmidt yesterday in his press conference put it perfectly. He said, no one likes it. It is what it is. We just got to deal with it. That's the short, that's literally the short answer. I, I gave the long answer. Uh, I think we gave the, all gave the long answer, but yeah, that's a really good short answer on that. All right. So we're going to move on gentlemen to uh, big game picks for the week. So we're going to kind of focus just on the, uh, just kind of the big games that are going to happen this week, or maybe games of interest. Wink, wink. So uh, first up, we got Dayton at Duquesne. Now this is a big game because Duquesne opens up their brand new UPMC Cooper Fieldhouse. And if you guys have not seen this, it is immaculate. It's great. It's perfect for their school. It holds maybe about 4,500 to 5,000 people. Uh, there's, there's suites. Um, there's an, there's a whole deck that like Lover looks like the whole game. It, it's a great venue for college basketball. So uh, personally with Dayton coming off of uh, two really big wins this week, uh, Duquesne has rattled off a couple in a row against some bad teams. They look better against the Bonnies. Um, I don't know. I feel like this is a game that Dayton's going to let me down <laughs> and Duquesne is going to open up their brand new building. They're going to be pumped. Uh, even though there's, pretty much going to be zero fans there. Uh, it doesn't matter. I would be jacked up to play in this arena, uh, playing against one of the top like premier programs in the A-10. So I'm going to take Duquesne in this one. Anthony, uh, we'll go to Anthony and then uh, Jack, and then back around to me. So this this stadium has a window in it, doesn't it? <laughs> Potential sundial. Um, they had this issue at Villanova the other day. They had a, They actually delayed the game because sun was coming in through the pavilion. Uh, not going to say that's going to happen, but I, I was just thinking about this. Just, you know, that'd be funny if that happened. I think uh, maybe game, at one point. Yeah, I think this game is actually late. It's like a seven o'clock game. Okay, so it'll be dark. Um, I'm going Dayton. Jack said earlier on this episode, he thinks Dayton's a top three team. Well, show it to me. You beat If you're a top three team, like talent-wise, and you're Dayton, then you beat teams like Duquesne. So I'm going to take Dayton. I got to ride with the Dayton Flyers as well. I can't contradict myself. I said they are a top three team in the conference, but that does not mean they'll finish in the top four, of course, as we discussed earlier. But this is a very tough matchup. Duquesne's a tough team. They're so physical. Uh, Marcus Weathers down low really, really creates some problems for some teams. Uh, that matchup against Shimonga will be very interesting, but I think Dayton's guard play will just be too much to handle for Duquesne. Yeah, I mean, Dayton won the first matchup uh, pretty handily. And 
even though Duquesne is playing a lot better lately, um, I, I still think Duquesne just, just because they're playing to just a lot better lately, uh, they're going to, they're going to pull one off in their brand new field house. Uh, moving on to a game of interest. Ding, 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 ding. We have St. Bonaventure visiting Hagen arena and the St. Joseph's Hawks. So, um, basically I, I have this note here. This is my one note. Okay. Ready for it. It says really good versus really bad. Can you guys match up? Who's who? <laughs> oh man. I have St. Bonaventure, Anthony, what say you? I mean, there's quite, there's literally no arguing on who, who's going to win this game. I mean, but in classic St. Joe's fashion, they'll push it to overtime and break my heart again. Something dumb like that. Um, For St. Joe's, I mean, I've said this multiple times, Jordan Hall is the future. He's the only bright spot on this team. Man, is he good. I have great aspect expectations for him in the future, but unfortunately we're not living in the future right now. We're living in the current and St. Bonaventure is just good. I mean, this could be a steamroll of a game. I, I don't even know what the spread is, but let's put it at 20 points. If I'm Vegas. It's funny. You discussed the spread Anthony, because I have here in my notes and I was just going to guess that since the Bonnies are playing at Hawk Hill, I'm going to guess the spread is somewhere likely in the mid teens, perhaps 15 or 16. I think the Bonnies cover. I think they win by 20 at Hawk Hill. I think they keep things rolling. They played so beautifully against George Mason on Saturday. Uh, I think the offensive uh, heat continues. And St. Joe's, that <laughs> they're struggling in the cellar. So I don't, I don't think the Bonnies have a hiccup here. Uh, they head into probably the most important game of the season uh, next Saturday against St. Louis, which we will talk about later. So – Anthony, is Ryan Daly close to coming back yet? So I've I've heard things. I'm not gonna I'm not comfortable saying them because I can't confirm. Mm-hmm. Let's just say I am worried that he might not return for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. We That's don't know. I mean, it's unfortunate he broke his arm and it's really hard to come back from that when you're like you're shooting the ball all the time with that arm. So I don't know anything. He could he could play tomorrow. He could suit up for the next game, and I'd be totally wrong. I just have this like suspicion dwelling in me where I'm just like oh, I don't know if he's gonna play. I'm just really worried. So it's it's on to Jordan Hall. It's on to the future for now. Yeah, that's a really good player you got there. Um, I really like Jordan Hall. He was a rookie of the week at some point this year. He's gonna be a really good four year player for you guys. Uh, moving on to. A, ma- a rematch of an upset earlier this season. Uh, it is VCU traveling to Rhode Island. Um, Rhode Island has won the last four games against VCU. Uh, David Cox kind of owns Mike Rhodes right now. Um, and this year was kind of the year, you know, going to that game earlier this year at the Seagull Center, it was kind of like, okay, how much is VCU going to win by? But Rhode Island steamrolled them. It was incredible. So, Honestly, until VCU can figure out a win, I'm going to take Rhode Island. What do you think? I'm taking VCU. Are you kidding me? I think they're going to bounce back from Rhode Island. I know they lost. It's a fair point, Chris. You make a good point. And I would agree if you're, if you're rolling with a team um, that's already won once, why not win again? 
However, I've made a bold claim at the beginning of this podcast that I'm ride or die with VCU. And so I'm sticking with it. It could be an irrational decision, but I'm doing it. I'm taking VCU. This game is uh, pretty interesting, and I can really see it going either way, uh, including their nicknames. Uh, these teams are pretty similar, in my opinion. They're both so physical. Uh, they're tough inside. They're a tremendous defensive team. And Bones Highland and Fats Russell are two terrific guards and their leading scorers, and they both have great names too. I think the biggest difference here is that the game is played in Kingston as opposed to Richmond. Uh, give me Rody at home. Ooh, all right. All right. That'll be a good one this week. Uh, and then we have Friday 10 is Richmond at Dayton. So Dayton's on a roll right now. They've won two in a row against some pretty decent teams. I consider Rhode Island a pretty decent team. They kind of, they're kind of an iffy team, but they, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of a two face. So, uh, but anyway, uh, Richmond at Dayton, I think they're very similar teams uh dane's kind of on a roll right now richmond i mean they cut they just beat st joe's it doesn't really mean anything um i don't know i'm just gonna take my flyers in this one what do you think so i think richmond's gonna win this one was kind of a difficult one i think this is more of a toss if there's any of the toss-up games that we've pre-written for the show it's probably this one Richmond's reeling a little bit, but then you say they bounce back against St. Joe's, but anyone can bounce back against St. Joe's that loss to LaSalle really has me questioning them. However, I watched the game against St. Joe's and they actually played pretty well. The shooting wasn't too bad. Guard play looked pretty, pretty, pretty good. I'm going to go with Richmond on this. They've got good senior leadership sticking with them. There's it's going to be a turbulent ride for the rest of the season for them. That's for sure. But in a toss-up game, I'll take the team with a little more veteran presence. Well, I, as I said earlier, top three talent in the Atlantic 10. I'm going to go with the Dayton Flyers to go 2-0 and this week. And that will be one heck of a four-game stretch for Dayton. And I think by next Saturday, people will be starting to realize that, ooh, Dayton is back. And they could really be dangerous come March. Ken Palm has this game as a one-point win for the Spiders. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, the next one we have is just a little bit of a battle with Philadelphia. Uh, LaSalle at St. Joe's. So I just personally think this is, uh, I don't know. I just, I think maybe this could be St. Joe's first win. I don't know. LaSalle kind of put a thumping on the first time, but uh, I'm a, you know, I, I'm just going to say St. Joe's wins this game. What do you think, Anthony? This wraps up the big five schedule could decide the winner, even though not everyone in the big five was able to play each other this year. For those who don't know, big five, Philadelphia, big five, mm-hmm. most story tradition in all of college basketball. Um, in my humble opinion, I'm going to go St. Joe's. I picked the LaSalle win in the beginning of like the first game that they played. I picked that game correctly. I said, LaSalle. I'm going to take St. Joe's in this one just because that's my team. That's my alma mater. And I also predicted at the beginning of the season in my St. Joe's conference schedule prediction that St. Joe's would win the second game against LaSalle. So I'm going to stick with that prediction. They've seen this team once before. It's at Hagen Arena. Last year, I was at the game at Hagen Arena. The, the refs messed up the game. They called a late foul. 
I think uh, Christian Ray shot the free throw. It iced the game for the Hawks. I, that's bad karma. That's bad mojo. Give me St. Joe's. They're, they're taking revenge against the Explorers. Before I make my pick, I love Big Five basketball in Philadelphia. I think it's one of the coolest things the sport has to offer. It, it is just the best. Uh, but I digress to LaSalle, St. Joe's. I honestly have no idea in this pillow fight of a game what's going to happen, but it's hard to beat a team twice. And also St. Joe's, they're playing at Hawk Hill twice this week. I think they're going to lose to the Bonnies, as we all agree on. And then we're also agree on this one. I'm taking the Hawks to beat the Explorers. So Anthony, is that like a big, uh, I know it's an, I know it's an eight ten matchup, but like, do you guys consider LaSalle as like your biggest rival at St. Joe's or how does that work out in Philadelphia with the big five and plus Drexel? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Put plus Drexel. <laughs> they're not, they're the city six. So if we ever want to call them that, um, St. Joe's fans like to think Villanova is the rival and okay, we got it. It's fun beating up on Villanova. If you talk to anyone who goes to a Philadelphia school, Temple, LaSalle, Penn, Villanova is the enemy. They're always, they're enemy number one, persona non grata. They are the worst fans. They're just so stuffy and they think they're so great. Um, but I really do cherish the St. Joe's LaSalle matchup. It's they're the two Catholic schools in the same conference. They're kind of like that working class, like the Villanova is like the preppy kids, St. Joe's LaSalle, that's like the working class schools of Philadelphia. It's a great matchup. It's under undervalued, not talked about a lot. I really love it. And I think St. Joe's fans, they should draw their attention away from Villanova and towards LaSalle. It's interconference. It's just so much better. And plus I get to get trolled by the goal of standard and I get to troll them when we win. So it's always a good time. So is the rivalry kind of just everyone gangs up on Villanova? Yeah, we like when Penn won the Big Five two years ago. Like I, me and my my teammates, my track teammates, we were happy. Like when we watched that game, we were excited for Penn. It's like this great feeling because just it's Villanova's had all this success for the last like ten years. Prior to this, it was cutthroat. Everyone was against each other, and Temple was Temple was the number one team. They still have the number one um, amount of Big Five wins. It's like not talked about. Um, but yeah, every it's beat up on uh, Villanova. No one likes Villanova. I mean, they're just so annoying. <laughs> well, I think that's, uh, that's a good little insight there on big five basketball. It's honestly, I feel like big five basketball is like the one little thing that's holding together, uh, the non-conference schedules from not totally just eliminating mid majors. You know what I mean? Like how, you know, Dayton teams like Dayton and, uh, St. Bonaventure, you know, they have, they have tough time scheduling, uh, home and homes or even games in general with a lot of these power five schools. So it's kind of great that LaSalle and St. Joe's can get teams uh, like Villanova and Temple on the schedule so that, you know, if they're good, you have that little non-conference game, but also that like city camaraderie that like, this is Philadelphia basketball. So that's kind of cool to see. Uh, moving on to our last game of the day. Um, or the week, excuse me. Uh, this one was just added to the schedule and I love it. It is St. Bonaventure at St. Louis. This has a chance to be probably the best game of the, excuse me, of the entire season in the Atlantic 10. 
So um, I think personally, th- this is such a close game. Ken Palm doesn't have anything up on it yet. Uh, so I'm going to have to wait and see what they think. I'm guessing they're going to St. Louis, the edge. It's going to be like a one or two point St. Louis win. Um, I actually kind of think St. Louis is going to bounce back. They're kind of mad about that win, that loss against Dayton. So I'm going to give St. Louis the edge here, even though I love the Bonnies. So Chris, we talked about this on the last episode. We, we talked about how St. Louis could have come out of that break and lost the game. And then they ended up doing it. And then we said there was going to be a revenge game the next game. Yeah. However, uh, it was a revenge game against Richmond, I guess. However, we didn't foresee another cancellation throwing off the, the, the momentum of a team. Think mm-hmm. about it, you're going in one game, then you lose it. Then you, you're going to play Richmond revenge game that gets canceled. There's a lot of turbulence. I don't like that. I get, I get a bad aura around St. Louis. And for that reason, I'm going with a team that has had stable play, that has had consistent play, and that hasn't had a stoppage in play. The stoppage is really the only deciding factor. Other than that, I would say these are two teams that are pretty much equal, toss-up game. But uh, the synergy, just the transfer of information between teammates is so important. And playing every game or having a consistent amount of play is vital. So I'm taking St. Bonaventure on the fact that they haven't had the pause yet since their, whatever, the pause in the beginning of the year. Who cares? Throughout the conference schedule, they've been consistent. I'm taking St. Bonaventure. Yeah, this is a game that St. Bonaventure is going to really want if they got that, if they want that at-large bid from the NCAA Tournament Committee. So, Jack, what do you got? I love my St. Bonaventure Bonnies, and I have seen over the years so much heartbreak and so much angst. For instance, maybe 10 years ago, St. Bonaventure was playing NC State in a game in Rochester. C.J. Leslie, if you may recall, who played for NC State at the time, launched a full-court pass, ended up being tipped around, received by an NC State player who just launched up a prayer, and NC State won by two. For some reason, I think something like that is going to happen next weekend in the Gateway City. The spread will be very interesting to me. I think it's going to come out maybe three or four in favor of the Billikens. But I don't think the Bonnies win. I think they cover. And I think it's just a heartbreak for the Bonnies. But in the long run and in the big picture, this will propel them and give them a little something to learn from and provide them some motivation going into March. Wow. Okay. So you're taking, you're taking the Billikens then? I'm taking the Billikens. Oh, man. In a heartbreaking, heartbreaking game for the Bonnies. I think it's a close win for St. Louis. Well, at least Anthony's on your side. He'll cheer for your team that night, okay? (laughs) All right, so we're going to wrap up here with some final thoughts. And uh, before I give you guys your uh, little couple minutes of fame here, besides what we already talked about on the show, uh, we wanted to give a little bit of a shout out to uh, and all of our thoughts to the family and uh, to the Temple family for Coach John Chaney. Um, Anthony did bring this up because John Chaney was – a instrumental figure in power five basketball and a temple. He fit, he was 516 and 253 at temple. Uh, that's just an incredible record. Um, over 700 wins in general, uh, 17 NCAA tournament appearances, five times in the AP top 10 and a number one finish in 1988 and 
most famously, he tried to kill John Calipari in the press room. And for that, we can thank him. Um, but uh, thoughts and prayers go out to him and his family in the Temple community. Uh, Anthony, what do you what do you guys say for uh, Coach John Chaney? Six A10 championships. They used to be in the Atlantic 10. So it's, you know, it's not totally just big five. It's Atlantic 10 as well. As you said, 1988 AP coach player, the uh, coach of the year, 17 big five championships and 17 NCAA national um, tournament appearances. But I want to read this. It's about the St. Joe's Hawks. And it's a great quote from ESPN. And it goes in 2005, Cheney was suspended after sending in a quote goon during a game against St. Joseph's. He was upset that the Hawks were setting what he considered illegal screens without fouls being called and subbed in um, Nahima, Nahime Ingram, sorry, that's a hard name to pronounce, a 250-pound big man who later was a walk-on for Temple football. According to Philadelphia Magazine, Cheney said the day before the game that he planned on sending in, quote, one of my goons and have him run through one of those guys and chop him in the neck or something. Ingram was called in for, was called for five fouls in four minutes. Quote, I'm sending a message, Cheney said after the game, and I'm going to send it with what we guys used to do back in the, old, the good old days. Send in the goons. That's what I'm going to do. After St. Joe's forward, John Bryant was diagnosed with a broken arm from one of Ingram's fouls, Temple suspended Cheney for the rest of the regular season. I don't bring this up to demean John Cheney. He was a gamer, and he played tough Philadelphia basketball and I love every sentence of that. And I love the competitive aspect. He was a winner and we don't have guys like that in college basketball anymore. So pray for, pray for him as well. And your fellow Philadelphia basketball aficionado, Joe Lenardi said this yesterday on ESPN.com when discussing John Cheney, he said it typically took overwhelming talent to eliminate the temple owls. Temple's five elite eight appearances under Cheney ended at the hands of Duke twice, Michigan's Fab Five, North Carolina, and Michigan State. Only Seton Hall pulled a true NCAA upset of a better Temple team. After one transition season, Cheney took the Owls to NCAA tournaments for 17 of the next 18 years. His only miss in that span came in 1989. Coincidentally, the wisest owl of all, that just celebrated his 89th birthday, eight days before his passing. He said at the time, as many do, that age is just a number. Rest assured, John Chaney conquered the other 88. Rest in peace to a Philadelphia sports legend. That's that's a great that's a great cap on it. But I will say, uh, I personally did not grow up, you know, loving a 10 hoops like I went to Dayton. And eventually, you know, through that, I got uh, got into dates and hoops. So I knew a little bit about Temple, but I knew of John Chaney just because of growing up and watching that whole video of him trying to <laughs> beat the crap out of John Calipari. Like if you, I feel like everyone knows John, John Chaney because of that. Um, but I feel like you really don't, I feel like that's like, the epitome of who he was too, because like, it wasn't just, he was trying to be the crap out of it. He's a competitor, man. And that's, that's exactly what temple basketball is. I mean, if anyone didn't realize that temple is like one of the top, I think there's still top five in overall college basketball wins. And a lot of that has to do with John Chaney. Um, just an incredible, basically made the program what it is. Uh, 
I mean, I have a lot of respect for him. I know a lot of his teams were amazing back in the day. Uh, just an incredible guy. So anything. So moving on from that, Jack, do you have any final thoughts before we end the show tonight? Rank the Bonnies. Get them in the top 25. Why not? There's now a trend on Twitter. Hashtag rank the Bonnies. Let's start to get that in action. Let's do it. They received six votes last week. They have not been ranked since the 1970s. It's about time the St. Bonaventure Bonnies enter the Associated Press Top 25. Hell yeah, I am with you on that one. Anthony, how about you? Final thoughts for this evening. I want to give my shout out to Fordham. Feel bad for the fans, but I want to say this. We talked about coaches in the hot seat on this podcast. We talk about a lot of great things on the website. A10 Talk is where you get tomorrow's news today. We warned you about the the coaches who are on the hot seat. Look what happened. We're talking about St. Bonaventure being good. Look what happened. I'm talking about VCU possibly being good. Watch it happen. So that's what I'm going to say. You get tomorrow's news today right here on the A10 Talk podcast. That's a great, great ender for our show tonight. Uh, For everyone at A10 Talk, I am Chris Pyle. Thanks for coming on tonight. Thanks for listening. And... Uh